Welcome to Subscriptions Scaled, sponsored by Rebar Technology. Join us each week to hear from industry leaders in the subscription space, share their best tips and stories, and learn how you can up-level your subscription business today. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Subscription Scaled. I am your host, Nick Frederick. With me today is a very special guest. We have Dave Woodward, who is the CEO of ClickFunnels. Dave, thanks for joining us today. Thanks. Appreciate the invite. Absolutely. Well, Dave, why don't we just dive right in? Tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of uh, your your role there at ClickFunnels and, uh, you know, how you got into subscriptions. <laughs> sure thing. Uh, so, first of all, as far as how I got into subscriptions, uh, it's really easy. ClickFunnels is a SaaS company, and so we are based on subscriptions on a monthly recurring revenue. Uh, so, for us, it was pretty simple. I've been with ClickFunnels since we started. I'm one of the uh, founding partners, and I uh, just had a great time really growing and scaling and building the business. Uh, we've made a ton of mistakes. Unfortunately, uh, had enough positive wins that uh, in the, the wins columns are outweighing the losses right now. But it's been a lot of fun. And I think for us, the most exciting part really is as, as you build a subscription platform like a software company, uh, one of the great things we have is you know over 100,000 customers and many of them also run subscriptions on our platform. And so we have the privilege of seeing quite a few successes, the things that are working, things that don't work. And it's been fascinating for me just to see how quickly a person can actually scale a, a subscriptions business. Absolutely. Well, then uh, we, we have a great guest today because, you know, learning uh, about what mistakes have been made along the way or what lessons you've learned and, and helping our listeners avoid making some of those same ones themselves is what we're all about. So glad you're here. Um, I guess one of the one of the questions I like to cover at the beginning is just this has been obviously an interesting year for subscriptions uh, ever since the pandemic started, really changed things in so many ways. And a lot of e-commerce businesses saw saw growth, some saw challenges. Um, how has that impacted your business? Uh, we were one of the fortunate ones who actually grew uh, through the pandemic. Okay. A lot of people right. actually came to our platform as a way of, of growing and scaling. Uh, sometimes it was a side hustle. Other times it was their existing business. And others was uh, really trying to get into a brand new business and how they could really grow and scale it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, did it present any unique challenges or did you guys pivot in any way in terms of offers to customers or different ways to kind of get them on board and bring them in the funnel? Um, we really didn't pivot in the beginning. Uh, we've yeah. done a couple of things recently after the beginning of this year um, that has been uh, has been a lot of fun for us to see the impact of, of giving away, for lack of a better word, a, a real quick consumption product where they can actually play with it, get used to it, and then from that, get into a subscription. So we've done a lot of uh, five-day, uh, so take, for example, the beginning of this year, uh, Russell, who's our co-founder, uh, created a five-day lead challenge mm -hmm. and had about 42,000 people sign up for it, wow. went through the five-day lead challenge. And from that five-day lead challenge, it then put them into another challenge, which is our One Funnel Away Challenge. And it's during that 30-day One Funnel Away Challenge that they actually offered the subscription to the software. And so, uh, we had we introduced a new software uh, called OnePager.io during the five-day lead challenge, and so a lot of people had the opportunity of using the challenge, consuming the product, and from that then being upsold to the next. So I would think if I was to anytime I was to look at growing or even introducing a subscription, I would probably end up using a challenge in the very beginning just to get people to consume even a small piece of it okay. and get a taste of it. And with that, then be able to get onto the monthly recurring subscription. Gotcha. Okay. So kind of starting with uh, some sort of free offer, get some value uh, for a potential customer 
and then take them through the through the flow, hopefully making them a, a paid ongoing subscriber from there. Absolutely. I, I think the key is uh, the offer, at least from our standpoint, if you can have an offer that actually is a way of consuming what you're going to have in that subscription is the key. I think too often a lot of people have an offer that has it's more tangential and isn't a direct consumption of what they're going to be paying for. Yeah. That they then have to, the idea here, at least from our perspective is I don't want the customer to have to assume what the next thing is going to be. I want them actually using what they're going to be paying for on an ongoing basis. Mm -hmm. So interesting there. How how do you, you're wanting to give them right a a slice of the cake, so to speak, and and kind of give them a good flavor for what they're actually going to be signing up for you up for how do you put those um gates in place to say okay th- this is enough to give them value and make them want the next piece of my product have you played with that over time and kind of what those gates are or h- how do you evaluate that man we've played with a whole bunch of those different gates right. um <laughs> uh so when we first started uh, the company gosh it's all been seven years now but um most SaaS companies like ours are based on a free trial uh, with a credit card. So ours is a 14 day free trial with a credit card. Yeah. And one of the things we've seen usually what a, you always look at me. So what's my cost to acquire a customer? Well, for us to get a, it's $97 a month of the minimum. And it typically would cost us about 140 to $160 just to get a trial. Okay. And, you know, 40 to 50% of those are converting. It's almost in that case, you know, we're about $300 for an actual customer, which means in, our situation would be almost three months before we had a return on CAC. Okay. And I think the the real issue, what we realized was where we were able to scale and to grow and actually to, to generate a lot more revenue up front was we ended up going with a higher ticket offer. So we did a webinar. Uh, the webinar then pitched six months worth of the software for free when they bought the coaching program that came along with it. Okay. So they paid $9.97 for the coaching program on exactly how to build whatever it was they wanted to build using our software. And then they got the software for free. So in essence, what happened was we actually were getting a thousand dollars for, for six months of the software, which was more than, more than covered the software. But in addition to that, what it really did was it provided people the opportunity of starting to use it and get used to it so that by month seven, it would then convert and they would then go on to a monthly recurring basis after that. They were very much engaged with the product at that point and wanted to continue the subscription. Interesting. Yeah, Yeah, I think, you know, I've been in subscriptions a long time and back in the day uh, for a lot of those that were in the space, it was very much a set it, forget it mindset, you know, (laughs) trying to get as many in the top of the funnel as as possible and, uh, you know, hold on to them for as long as you can, but you never wanted to wake the dead too much and engage with them too much. And in recent years, we've certainly seen that turn on its head completely uh, in favor of engagement, which is a good thing all the way around, of course, right? You know, demonstrate value, keep your customer coming back. That's the way for a long-term relationship and a long-term customer relationship uh, rather than just hoping that they don't uh, go online or call you and cancel. So uh, definitely a good model. So beyond even the six months, um, what strategies have you guys looked at to continue that engagement, to to remind customers of the value that they're getting so that they don't cancel? A couple of different things. So one of the things we end up doing uh, when they first subscribe during the trial, uh, again, I guess the, the main theme you're going to hear from me you know, all the time here is how do I get them to consume something? And so for us, when they're going through the actual onboarding, uh, if they'll watch a 20 minute video, we actually will send them a free t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And it, nice. it was interesting. Uh, that t-shirt typically would arrive right at about the time where that's, 
uh, 14-day free trial was expiring. And there was some reciprocity, Garrett, given because they, they got a free T-shirt in the mail mm-hmm. and thought, you know what, let me at least try it one more month. And so that was one of the things we, we took a look at. Um, one of the other things we've done for, um, we have quite a few high-end coaching clients. So they'll pay $2,500 a month. And what we ended up doing on those is we actually created a book of the month. And so they got a, we would send them a book each month. In addition to the book came just whatever else we wanted to toss in the box. But uh, a lot of times it was how to actually use that book and apply it to whatever content we were teaching or or coaching on that month. And they then got engaged in that uh, in the community on the Facebook group. They were talking about the book, what they learned, how to actually apply it. Yeah. Uh, and again, so that was something in addition to it. Um, I'm a huge believer in stick strategies, uh, identifying, you know, in a typical subscription, at least on a lot of the products we've seen, it typically ends somewhere between three and four months. And so we typically, in our situation, if that was the case, we would end up sending something at the beginning of that third month saying, Hey, we've got a special gift. We're going to be sending to you at the end of the month. We want to make sure you look forward to it. And it would typically be something that would then help bridge that gap to that next month okay. and to really get them to, to sure. consume it. And the main thing for us was always reinforcing their original buying decision. So why did you actually end up buying this? What were the things you were trying to accomplish? What's the dream you're trying to achieve? What is the, there's some reason why they ended up buying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we always tried to tie back to that. And uh, we've done stick strategies through the mail. We've done them through additional, uh, a free coaching call or an accountability partner or other things that uh, really help people. Again, it goes back to getting value. The more value they get out of it, the easier it is. Uh, we right. definitely, years ago, I remember many times kind of playing the role you may mention, Nick, and that was keep the price as low as possible so they don't even see it on the credit card and <laughs> right. it just keeps rebuilding month after month. And yep. that was our recurring revenue was to not not poke the lot the sleeping bear basically right we've we've gone the opposite direction yeah absolutely and and again i've worked with a lot of merchants who were kind of in that low low ticket low price point recurring revenue and um you know signed up a lot of customers that way and a lot of them didn't cancel just because they were like five dollars a month i'm not even going to bother calling you know that that kind of thing um but in, in today's world it seems to be very focused on again, delivering that value, reminding them of the value. Um, what do you guys do when you do find yourselves in a situation of a, a customer wanting to cancel? Do you, um, how, how do you guys look at saves? Um, is that something you even try to do? Or do you reach back out to previously canceled customers and try to get them back on board? Or what's your philosophy there? Gosh, we've done so many things, uh, especially recently. So one of the things, uh, whenever a person's canceling, uh, they typically already have a lot of data on our software. And so what we'll end up doing is the first offer is, you know what, if you want, we can go ahead and just pause your account. It's $10 a month. Uh, we'll, we'll retain all your data. Uh, you can't use it until you upgrade, but at least you still have it. Right. And that way it gets you through a sticking point or whatever else you might be. So um, we literally have tens of thousands of customers who pay us you know, $10 a month just to, to keep that data there. So that's yeah. one of the things that we've done. Um, with those, we now are reaching out to those people and trying to reactivate them. And so we've done a three for one type of a, a plot, uh, a pricing, you know, pay up front for the first month and you'll get the next two free. Okay. Uh, and, and that has helped to bridge that. And then during that three month period of time, they get emails and, and phone calls to see what we can do to help engage, make sure they convert from that third to the fourth month. Um, we're just now starting to toy around um, 
a couple of different softwares that we're actually looking more from an AI standpoint to really, the hard part for us is identifying the true reason why a person is canceling. Yeah. And so we've gone through cancellation funnels and, and, you know, asking them why they, a lot of times they're just trying to get out of the thing. They could care less. And they're and clicking so buttons. Yeah. They're just clicking buttons. So I've never put a whole bunch of trust or value in, in their actual reason. Mm-hmm. Um, what we've seen is, is trying to reach out to them after they've actually canceled and then, you know, see what we can do to win back. Gotcha. Well, that's uh, that, that's about all you can do, right? And and I've I've shared your philosophy that sometimes when a customer is at the point of wanting to cancel, um, the likelihood that you're going to get quality information out of the person <laughs> at that point isn't all that high. I mean, sometimes you will, you know, you got people that are willing to share, but you know, to look at that across the board and, and draw you know concrete conclusions from that can be challenging and misleading, yeah. I think too. Um, I've also found situations where the questions that they're asking me about why I'm canceling are so skewed towards wanting <laughs> a specific answer <laughs> that I'm like, I see what you're driving at here, but uh, you know, this isn't going to tell you anything about me. <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah. Well, let's turn to when you started the business and you guys were growing and, and scaling up. Um, maybe looking back at some of your earlier decisions around um, platforms and technology, maybe vendors that you worked with, where you were focusing your marketing dollars. Touch on a few of those areas where, uh, you know, take us through that journey and and maybe some points where you wish you would have done things differently. Uh, so for marketing dollars, um, we're, a, we're again, we're a software company. And so for us, we actually... Uh, <laughs> primarily because we didn't want to take on a whole bunch of capital. Uh, we ended up having to create funnels and sales funnels that would actually offer additional other products and then have the software on the back end. Okay. And so for us, uh, Russell wrote one of his first books was dot-com secrets. And so there was a whole free plus shipping book funnel. And so for the main thing that we looked at was how do we, how do we create a break-even funnel where we can get a customer for free? Mm-hmm. And so we would look at creating some sort of an online sales funnel that's going to Again, the, all the book talks about is click funnels and how to actually use it and how to create a sales funnel. And so if they're consuming that, that's going to be a natural thing. Sure. Um, for us, then I can tell you, we typically, the average cart value in our book funnels ranged anywhere from the first time we ran them between about 35 and 42 bucks. And our cost to acquire customers in the 20 to $25 range. Okay. So we came out just a little bit ahead. You talked about the fulfillment and everything else. It was, it was pretty close to break even. But the main thing that uh, anytime I'm building any business is I'm trying to get a paying customer. They're worth a thousand times more than just an opt-in mm-hmm. and a lead gen. So I really want, I want them to pay for something. And as soon as I can get them paying for something, the value of my relationship with them has gone up a ton. Right. And so uh, whatever, whatever business we've, we've entered into from a subscription standpoint, we've typically tried to find something on the front end that we could acquire that customer for free and then use so that way we can spend as much money as possible in acquiring those customers. And then all the follow-up sequences on the back end is where the revenue is made on the subscription side. Okay. Interesting. So those are some of the main things we've done. Um, I think as far as some of the things I know, uh, classic example, we just did uh, Russell's third book, Traffic Secrets, uh, this last March. And um, really wanted to go for a New York Times bestseller, which fortunately we were able to get for him. But in doing that, it involved a lot of your uh, typical branding and and other types of advertising. I come from a direct response marketing background, okay. and I really like to try to track as much ROI as possible to my ad dollars. Yeah, uh, that was not the case, 
And so we spent a very large sum of money that uh, I would have had more fun just throwing a party. Okay, that had but, to have uh, been hard for a direct response guy to be thrown out. Broadcast marketing it was <laughs> it was so painful. Every day was painful for about a month, but uh, it was what was needed to to make the New York Times happy, I guess. So uh, again, glad we did it. Happy for Russell, the New York Times bestselling author, he more than deserves that. But uh, for us, I think the the main thing we've looked at is whenever I look at trying to scale a subscription model, I really want to be a the attribution is what it comes down to. And uh, we now have just uh, are working with a different company called Attribution App, really trying to to make sure we have the, we can really track the ad dollars and the attribution all the way through the funnel. And more important than that, to really try to understand what is the customer journey? Um, we have a large affiliate network. And so I'm always trying to find out okay. which affiliates are our best affiliates. And not only for just, acquiring customers, but most importantly, I want to find out from the lifetime value of that customer who actually sends me the best customers for the lifetime value. And again, anytime you're looking at subscriptions, it's like, how long can I keep that customer happy? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's based on how they came into that, into the business in the beginning, what were the promises that were made and, and try to make sure those are satisfied. Yeah. A lot easier to uh, retain a customer than it is to go buy a new one, right? <clears throat> Always. Always. Well, so what you've been pointing to and a lot of what you've been describing is data analytics, right? It, having the information coming in and being able to churn through it to, you know, look at an affiliate and what's my ROI there? What's my payback period, cost per acquired member, all of those key metrics that you're looking at. Um, how has that strategy around data evolved over time? Um, did you guys build that all in-house? Did you look <laughs> work with a partner? Is it still evolving today, I'm, I'm assuming? It's still evolving today. Um it was one of the things at the beginning, we just didn't care. It was just, we were literally just scrapping, trying to just get customers. Uh, and it was all, when we started, it was, was almost, almost all of it was based on affiliates. We really didn't do too much paid traffic. And the nice thing about an affiliate network, uh, there's an existing relationship with those affiliates and their customers. And so we were able to leverage that quite heavily. And I think uh, without our affiliates in the very beginning, it would have been tough uh, to scale at the rate we wanted to scale. So at the very beginning, for sure, was affiliates. Uh, we then started going into a lot of the paid traffic, Facebook, Google AdWords, things, and measuring that. Um, at the point we're at right now, I have a whole BI team, the business intelligence team with Tableau reports, and they're analyzing stuff all the time. Uh, we do a lot of split testing. We've always been big fans of split testing. Mm -hmm. And so we do a lot of split testing on the funnel. We do uh, a lot of retargeting uh, in the ads and retargeting existing customers has been a huge way of, of winning them back. Okay. And so we, we do a ton of, when it comes to analytics, again, I'm a huge believer that uh, the best way of managing and growing your business is to, to manage the numbers for sure. Yeah. So for, for a business who is maybe, maybe not startup, but starting to realize that they are amassing data, maybe in a, a lot of different places. Um, what are some lessons you've learned about how to bring those things together? I mean, you have a BI team now. I assume you right. didn't have a team dedicated to that back in the no. beginning, but when did you decide that it was the right time to formalize that team and, and kind of really focus on it? Um, again, we were probably, uh, well, we started our BI team last year. So we were five years into it before we actually had a yeah. BI team. Uh, prior to that, it was our traffic team and our marketing team. And just analyzing just a ton of, for us, we all, we looked at our ad budget as typically trying to 
we looked, I guess the best way of looking at it is ROAS, we were trying to get a 30 day return on ad spend. Mm -hmm. And that's really, again, we were, we're bootstrapped. And so I didn't have the luxury of saying, you know what, I can wait six months (laughs) to get a return on my ad spend. So for us, it was a return on ad spend ROAS of 30 days. And that's really what we tried to, to get to. And from that, we then continue to scale and, and grow that piece of it. I think the the key for metrics, um, I'm always, some of the main metrics I pay attention to is, first of all, what's the cost to acquire the customer right. or CAC? What's the average cart value? What is the lifetime value? What's my revenue per user? Uh, again, coming from the direct response marketing, it's RFM, you know, re- recency, frequency, and monetization. Um, if I'm not going out, I'm actually going to go out and buy a list, or if I'm going to work with an affiliate who has a list, I want to know about their their list, and right. and that'll determine how much I'm actually going to paying out. Mm-hmm. So I look at recency. How often do those customers buy? Or when was the most recent purchase they made? Frequency is how often do they buy, and then monetization is how much more do they spend afterwards. And so I look at anytime I'm buying a list, that recency, frequency, monetization matters a ton. If I'm looking at scaling or really working with any of our existing data, I, I really pay attention to that as well. Uh, it's a lot easier to deal with a customer who's used to spending, who likes to spend more. Um, those are your best customers. And I really try to see how we can create more of those. Yeah. Um, was, was there any particular impetus that said, rather than relying on the marketing team or different people to do their individual analytics to just make it a function within your organization? Um, the impetus was, <laughs> was a ton of cash flow, a big leaky bucket and I had to find mm-hmm. a way of filling that hole. I mean, that's really what it came down to yeah. where, um, uh, software tool we use again, it works real well for a SaaS company and that's profit. Well, mm-hmm. uh, they've been a great, a great resource of data for us. Yep. Um, we use Stripe and they integrate directly with Stripe for all the payments. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to, to really look at churn is a huge aspect for us and we're always paying attention to churn and i think the key with churn is you gotta there's two different parts to it one is voluntary churn the other is involuntary i want to know and again from the metrics i usually look at my involuntary churn should never be more than a third of what my voluntary churn is Mm -hmm. and so if i've got to keep the number simple if you're you know six percent on voluntary churn i would make sure my involuntary churn is two percent or less sure and if not then i've got to find out are my do our majority of my customers, they coming in, they just can't afford it. Do I have payment issues? What's the, op- uh, one of the things we're, we're implementing right now is a second credit card on file and okay. writing an offer to, to incentivize that, uh, just to make sure uh, we've seen, yeah. yeah, we have seen through COVID that, uh, involuntary churn or delinquent churn has increased just as mm-hmm. people's credit cards get maxed out. Yep. And so we're trying to find different ways of, of having a second card on file. Yeah. And so those are some things we pay attention to for sure. <clears throat> you hit there uh, in that explanation on a couple of the partners that you're working with that seem to be working well for you today. How did you evaluate partners over as you were growing, right? Um, I, I talk about all the time, you know, when when you're starting up a SaaS company or, or whatever kind of subscription business, right, you want to focus on what that core product is. And there's a lot of great Absolutely. partners out there that can, you know, help take care of the repetitive things that others have had to solve for in the past and, you know, are good at it. There's also some out there who aren't as great at it. So, you know, how did you evaluate that? How did you grow with these partners over time? And what lessons have you learned there? Uh, for me, I'm, I'm a huge believer in just referrals. I've, uh, I've, from the very gosh, early in my career, I've, I've always belonged to a lot of inner circles or, or masterminds or something like that. 
Mm-hmm. And usually they're they're groups that are doing this stuff already. And so I ask for recommendations, who they recommend, who they're using. Um, I think the hardest part, anytime you, you bring software in, there's a pain of disconnect when you leave. And there's just, so we really try to make sure we make the best decision possible going into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in the same situation now as we're looking at changing even HR software. It's like, oh, okay. what's our pain of disconnect? So <laughs> um, I think the main thing for us is I just really huge believer just find out someone who's already using it and that's really kind of been our, our gut check on that yeah absolutely i mean in my experience you can sit in front of salespeople who can sell the dream to you right all of the great <laughs> things that it does and all the problems it's going to solve even the problems that you don't actually yeah. have right um but where the rubber really makes meets the road when it comes to deployments and implementations is where you find out all right this is how this thing actually works and this is what my experience is really going to be like um, and the only way to really know that without having gone through it really is to talk to others who have. Absolutely. Um, so I, I, I think that's one of the, uh, <clears throat> one of the great, uh, things about our industry is that there are a lot of people who are willing to share to come on podcasts yeah. like ours and, you know, share their experiences so that others can learn from it. Um, can, can ask those kind of questions, but you know, I, 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 I liken choosing a vendor to, to speed dating in that you're trying yeah. to get a lot of information really fast, but you're actually making a very long-term decision <laughs> in the subscription world about somebody that you're going to be living with and working very closely with. So um, it's it's challenging, but uh, it's important to take the time and, and ask the right questions and do it right. Yeah, for that, I can say a couple other vendors we have used. Uh, we still, to this day, uh, Wicked Reports. They've been great to help us analyze a lot of the traffic and the attribution and, the, and lifetime value of things. Um, uh, so Scott DeGrossier is the CEO of that company. He's done a great job building Wicked Reports. Yeah. Uh, we also use Alex Becker's company, Hyros. Okay. Uh, does a lot of the same type of stuff. And really, I think uh, as you grow and scale, understanding that customer journey and the ad spend, I'm just a huge believer. You can't, as much as I love our affiliates, we still have to have paid traffic. Yeah. And you've got to be able to control and really understand how how best your paid traffic is really working. Yeah. Those clicks are expensive. So you want to be sure that you're uh, absolutely for the right ones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, without, you know, going and naming names here, have you ever found yourself in a situation where whether it's a vendor or a partner or somebody like that just isn't the right relationship? And, you know, how did you evaluate that and and kind of pivot and make a change? I think on that, I mean, the answer is obviously, of course, um, for us, it's, uh, and I guess the easiest thing right now is we're going through the same situation right now with our HR software mm-hmm. and trying to make a change there. I mean, we've done the same thing, even, you know, you look at Amazon servers versus Google cloud, or, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's just a whole bunch of stuff that you have to take into consideration. And I think um, one of the main things for us is it's not just the software itself. It's what are the other ancillary costs? So for us from, from HR or, or even well, we'll use HR for right now that has an impact also on the accounting side. So it's, it doesn't have the trick, I guess the ripple down effect is really the main thing we take a look at before we switch is there's a pain of disconnect in the software, but what other departments is it going to impact? And what are the things do we need to take a look at? Yeah. Bringing all the right stakeholders to the table it so does. they can yeah. have input into that decision. Right. Cause Absolutely. everybody's going to be living with it. Um, it's for sure. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, you talked about, you know, switching costs or, or costs for making a change. Um, looking at what just the cost of a vendor is, is one part of the equation. Then there's the ongoing costs and then there's the internal cost, which is absolutely easy to discount, but uh, is often yeah. quite significant. Um, well, 
we're kind of coming up on time here. Dave, I really appreciate the time today. I, this has been very helpful for me. I hope our listeners got a lot of out of out a lot of it too. Where can they go to uh, get more information on you or kind of get in contact in, in case they have any other questions? So obviously clickfunnels.com will tell you everything about ClickFunnels. For me personally, uh, probably easiest thing is Instagram. Okay. Awesome. What's, what's your Instagram handle? Dave S. Woodward. Got it. Awesome. Well, thanks again so much, Dave. Really enjoyed the My time pleasure. today. And uh, once again, thanks for coming on. All right. Talk soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Subscription Scaled, sponsored by Rebar Technology. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and download our podcast and share this episode with your network. 